0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets.
1: But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
0: Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again and happy Tuesday. And thank you to all of you that have already responded about episode three. That was the inexpensive sports car, cheap sports car, right around ten grand. episode that just dropped on the Motor Trend channel and is on its way to Amazon soon.
1: Yeah, you know, we had some fun doing that and, and many of you have responded, as a matter of fact, saying, You should have driven this car and this car. And there there's, were many we could have yes, included. For sure. But it was the non Miata sure. episode yeah, for under yeah, yeah. ten grand. And yes, indeed, that Nissan three seventy Z that we drove was ten grand. Yep. You can find not many No, they're out but there. You though. can find them for ten grand or under. And the, and there's tons of others.
0: I mean people were finding and I I know they're out there. There's the C we had the C four Corvette. You can find yeah. C5s. Yeah. Of course, you can find, I mentioned in the episode, tons of Nissan 350Zs. I mean, there's lots of other variants. We sure. were just excited sure. to show three different cars. What I liked about having the 370Z in that episode is the fact that there is a car you can buy for around 10 grand, or you could walk in and buy a new one. Nothing yeah, else true. that we were driving is still out there being sold brand new. I don't know what that really <laughs> says about the Z car, but I think that's a fascinating yeah. point of discussion. Go get a new one for 45 or a used one for 10
1: Your instrument panel looks exactly the same. The car looks exactly the same. <laughs>
0: In many we, ways. It's very similar. Which are we
1: doing here? We've
0: got a really cool podcast for you. We've got a, a Topic Tuesday. We want to give you an update on our, our stolen gear thing. We have a Topic Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We also have a car debate coming up for uh, Rudy after the break, who has an interesting dilemma of icon cars for himself, and I have... Have a ton of questions listed too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the uh, the debate here kind of ties into the topic Tuesday, which is a question from David L on Facebook, actually recently, who asks us, "How do you stay in love with a car?" Mm-hmm. And it's it's a perfect discussion to break down. Obviously, give our opinions about that, but it it centers around his question that his daily driver is a Focus RS. Cool, great like choice. Yeah. he really wants to keep it a while longer, financially speaking. <laughs> He says, such a cool, practical car, super fun to autocross, but Porsche.
0: Yes, we will not help your budgeting. When you listen to this show, we are are a hole in your budget. We're sorry about that. Only kind of sorry. We just want you to have a car that you love. But I like that you like your current car. We want to get back to that. Before we do, a couple of things we should say. First off, huge thank you. To CoverCraft. They are our presenting sponsor yeah, yeah. of the TV season. The reason we have new TV episodes and they go to Amazon and all that kind of stuff is primarily due to covercraft, with honestly, they have cool car covers I've used in all weather. Their sunshades are mm-hmm. amazing. I know I have ranted a bit about the canine covers for the back seats because I now have yes, you heard it here. Two dogs. I can't believe that. So uh, yeah. So the dog so the food prices have also.
1: doubled for your household. Yes, as, as have the um, the, the, the
0: dog the dog leavings have also doubled. Ah, uh, yes. So I'm trying to get. This is actually supposed to be my son's dogs. So I'm trying to get him much more involved in the whole dog process. <laughs> though I was the one walking both dogs today. That's <laughs> Anyway, say, how's that working out? Yeah. So far? Over overall, honestly, he's risen to the challenge. I'm glad. I'm glad. But at Go the ahead. same time. I walked both dogs today. So that happened. Uh, yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. But so, th- so there's Covercraft. We we love those guys. We're going to have uh, somebody from Covercraft on the podcast in a bit. We're excited about that. And then, of course, Griot's Garage. You've used them for pretty much your entire driving experience it's up been, until being a sponsor. We've been, been to 20 a years. while. Yeah, I know. Something like know.
1: that, which I can't believe. But, yes, thanks to both of those companies, they make it possible. And, guys, you can use the code every day at both companies when you're yes. checking out, yes. getting 10% off your order. So that has changed a little bit from prior seasons. But now the code every day, 10% off your final order there, which is great. And thanks to those guys for doing that, sponsoring us, and then kind of passing savings along to you guys. And making the show possible, which is fantastic. So
0: speaking of show, <laughs> if you follow along with the podcast, it's been almost exactly three months
1: Has it, oh, yeah, since I we had it our is. gear stolen. It was stolen about
0: it. the 15th of November. Here it is, the uh, the middle of, of February, and it is about three months later. And guess What? Uh, you guys actually did about a third of the of the income we needed to cover gear, and the other two-thirds was actually covered by insurance. Yay! Yeah. We've actually no received that payment back, and, of course, that meant we were sitting on the, uh, the B&H site ordering all our new stuff this past <laughs> weekend. It was uh, Paul and Chance and I all sat together, so we made sure we kind of organized it properly. Now, Chance has bought his stuff. We're buying new show gear. I have, I think it's... 44 or 45 boxes of stuff coming to my I'm going to build a house out of boxes.
1: It's going to say at least a fort, a cool it's, fort. It's with your going son. to be insane. I it's mean, going to be insane. Yeah. Save a few of those boxes for me. I need them for, you know, oil drippage under cars and that kind of stuff when you come visit
0: me. You're going to be able to build a car. <laughs> it's going to be insane the amount of boxes and cardboard we're going to have.
1: extra cardboard. I like so, having extra cardboard in the house. Uh, just, okay, that's just, a sentence you know, I've never for, said. But all for right, getting underneath cars—it's it's sure the perfect thing to slide underneath the car when you're doing an oil change. I see that. All right,
0: all Old right. box.
1: There you go. They're so great.
0: so yeah, we got a lot of gear coming in, and actually, that is one of the questions we had was from Richard Lindsay saying, "Now, as much as obviously we've hated having all our gear stolen, did that change what we bought the second time around?"
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I want yeah. to say, Richard, the biggest thing that it changed—we've we, been with—we've kind of over the course of the show, our gear has morphed. We're shooting with this gear for a while, and then we add this piece, and now this piece, the old piece, has to work with the new piece, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. There's been lenses with adapters. There's been two or three different type of camera bodies we've gone through. By and large, it's worked, but kind of the same way you buy furniture or a lot of big uh, ticket items in, in your you. yes. in, in your house. You don't really just, okay, clean slate. Let's buy all stuff that matches. It's It's morphed and kind of developed. What this has done, in spite of the fact of not enjoying the process, the cool part is we went, we sat down and were able to curate and go, let's buy all matching gear that all plays nice, which has actually been very cool.
1: Yeah. Some of the Canon lenses we had were excellent, but they'd been dropped multiple times, sent back to Canon <laughs> to get fixing with a Mia culpa. Sorry. Not it, dropped yes. on purpose, mind you. Yeah. The same lens, and now the body's cracked, and they... They'd fix it, but over time, that just degrades picture quality, all those kinds of stuff, dust captured inside of you know lenses and yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff. But to to your point about furniture, nobody really has $80,000 to go spend on furnishing their entire home yeah. with exactly their taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You inherit the dresser or the bed from yeah. your folks, and then you, that piece is the family heirloom, and so you have that, and the... You know, you kind of cobble it together mm-hmm, and you kind mm-hmm. of work your way towards buying things th- that you like. This actually, I'm not saying we spent 80 grand. That was nowhere None near that. Not close, yeah. But we were able to do stuff that, you know, kind of you know, we know works together yeah. and mm-hmm. talks to each other and it's fresh new gear and it kind of opens up actually from a tech standpoint, you know, some of the newer GoPros, things like that yeah. it kind of opens yeah, yeah. up options from just a resolution and quality standpoint, totally. which is totally. excellent, but it's, it's definitely been curated. And Todd has actually, you know, really overseen a lot of it, just knowing what, what gears out there, but we've all had input for sure. For and, sure. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we all have adding a few toys actually yeah. kind of see, Hey, let's, that that's been my point to the guys here and that's been you know I want to continually push on us for mm-hmm. new and cool new shots but not leave our our groundedness our our mm-hmm. You know, sure here's what yeah, we yeah. established the show's look to be yeah 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 but let's keep getting new creative shots and why don't we try that piece of gear mm-hmm. you know, whatever that. that
0: is and that's cool i'm glad that we're doing that i'm glad we're thinking that way the other thing that's interesting that i actually am th- thinking about as we sit here we've always had uh, multiple camera bodies because if you think about when we shoot our closing all right of our pieces we yeah. have a wide shot and we right. each have a close-up paul and each have a close there's three cameras right there We've never really had a scenario where all three of those cameras had matching bodies with matching lenses and matching batteries. Now we're going to have every <laughs> camera it body. It sounds crazy. Every camera body <laughs> takes the exact same battery, mm-hmm. which is yeah. kind
1: of amazing. I know that sounds obvious. Well, we'll have lenses for the same focal length because we've yeah. never had you know two of the same exactly lens. Exactly, we've never had duplicates. It sounds yeah, strange, we've, but we've had to position the you know one tripod a lot farther away yeah, to yeah. match the focal length. All these little things matter.
0: I mean, hopefully when you've watched, you haven't noticed or cared. That's really what we hope (laughs) for. But there's been a lot of, oh, well, no, that battery doesn't work with that camera body. It's this battery. So now we've got everything matching, which will be nice. Hopefully this will speed us along even further. I will also say, Richard, and for any of you that are really geeky listening and are curious about camera gear, I am well aware that we could upgrade all our gear to, I mean, stolen or not, we could upgrade in general to much higher gear than we use. However, the big thing that we have done over time is figured out what's the gear we can use that gets a really good 4K image Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. really nice ability to actually get focus and to have shallow focus and we want it and that kind of stuff without having a huge piece of gear hanging on your shoulder on the side of the road.
1: Because at the end of the
0: day, you or me or Chance or Edgar or Ben or somebody is – just hunkered by the side of the road just off the white line in the shoulder Mm -hmm. with a piece of gear. The ability to get there, to move quickly, to set up quickly, the more high end you get with gear, the more people and time and effort it takes to do that. We move very quickly. So what we've done over time is pared down in size and scale while walking the line of quality. And I'm actually very excited about where we are right now. So, hey, a lot of gear coming to my house. It's going to be like – I'm going to be just – Stopped for the day. Whatever I'm doing, it's just going to stop and be like, okay, I got to I sort know, boxes you're now. Just going
1: to tear into stuff like, oh, you know, yeah, it. Here's yeah. Here's this new thing. Oh, I forgot about this. Hey, we're yeah. getting a new drone because the gimbal on our old drone is actually kind of freaking out in a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, you, you fixed it a little bit, mm-hmm, but there were still yeah. some positions where it wasn't quite. It didn't have the stabilization it to normal, have and so you, you know, of course, vibrating like crazy, yeah. unusable shots. But yeah. that drone's gone. So we were thinking about upgrading
0: going. our drone anyway. Yeah. Oh, but here, yeah. here's an insurance joke real quick. How often is that sentence said? <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Oh, no, no, there's an insurance joke real quick because oh, no. we, we were planning on replacing our drone anyway, and then, of course, the robbery happened, and the drone was gone. So problem solved, I guess. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. then the the drone was one of the things not covered by our insurance. And I'm, I'm actually oh, not – I'm not intending to throw our insurance company under the bus at all here because they, they are – they did write us a sizable check. Okay. Yes. and so, this is not just them either. This no, is this is. But when the, we followed up the with industry. them, we followed up with them about okay. The drone is not like a plaything. The drone is our piece, a piece of production gear. It's not like we happen to have a drone. It's a piece of production yeah, we gear. Use it we for particular shots. We count it as a camera. Yeah,
1: if you absolutely. think about it.
0: We count it as a camera, and the answer, and I get it. The answer was we would be more than happy to cover it, but. Everything that flies requires an aircraft rider, an aircraft addition onto your insurance. You don't have an aircraft rider, so we can't cover your drone because it flies. Of course you can't. You don't have particular flood
1: damage and this earthquake... Right. Yeah,
0: same yeah. kind of thing. It's okay. But you guys, honestly, th- big thanks to you, the audience, because the GoFundMe that was set up by our friend Derek, which was a real surprise to begin with, I and mean, you guys yeah. rallied on yeah. that. thank you guys. And that thank ended you. up being, honestly, about a third of our total reimbursement money, which is, is making the show happen. So I cannot thank you enough. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And three MacBook laptops were gone, and that enabled us to replace <laughs> those right, <laughs> right. away You're and right. keep going with the podcast and with everything. I mean, that was the crucial ingredient yeah. right there, and that enabled us to keep going. So I'm adding my Thanks as well to all of you guys. We're jumping to the topic Tuesday, which is David L.'s question How do you stay in love with a car? How do you, how okay. do, you do this? Okay, yeah, yeah. I want to unpack this a little bit and then kind of give you some recommendations that I've come up with here. But great. It, it has to do with the fact that he's not done with his car yet. Yeah, agreed. He's agreed. not done loving yeah. it, he's not done driving it and having a great time. But he looks around and goes, Those are nice. <laughs> <laughs> but then he says, Just one, just two words, one sentence. But Porsche, yeah. Hey, David, <laughs> I get it. You can relate. You know I, know, I know. Owning a Porsche, and you still do that. Mm. Hey, we'll own whatever hot cars Completely. we all own in our lives. Completely. We'll still be looking around, going, huh? Wonder what that's like to drive. Yeah, for sure. And well, own, yeah. and yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So, coming to this, first of all, the justification part. Do you need to? Hmm. Okay. All right. Just, just a question: Do sure. you need to? Will changing cars make you love your old one? Is it going to be the you know the the heart grows fonder, the kind one of that thing? Got, got away kind of thing? Yeah, all okay, of that, all right, you know, yeah, yeah. when you sell it, and you especially if you sell it to a friend or you know mm, where it goes to, to a good home right. and you yeah, yeah. see it maybe every once in a while or you talk to the owner how's it doing how, how's my old car <laughs> you know sure sure would it make you would would the absence make you love your old car again interesting okay all also right. just a question but uh i've got some thoughts for you here and as you know as you all know the cheapest cars are the ones you own outright
0: yes for sure
1: and i think what you're asking is how do you keep loving it after the payments are all done i have to love it because the payments aren't done yet or maybe not maybe you're maybe. just getting rid of it anyway but yes I'm wondering if um, participating in some events, which you've done here, David. You're saying you're you're doing some autocrossing here. And that's a recommendation is to Mm -hmm. start using your car differently than for what you usually use it for. If it's Mm -hmm. a commute car, and hopefully you don't own a Focus RS just for commute. David doesn't. What if it's big track events and high-performance driving events and road trips and that sort of thing? I will also come to this. And it's a specific goal, have a specific goal with your car, like you visit all the U.S. states with your car, or Mm -hmm. maybe you ship it to Europe and you drive it on some racetracks. Whoa,
0: we've actually seen that done. This has happened. We've been at the ring and here comes, honestly, when we were there the last time, a Ferrari, it was a, uh, it was, was it an F12? Uh, 5 dollars one of the two. Okay. One of the two.
1: Uh, which track was it? The
0: Nürburgring. A black one showed up, and it had a oh, Houston, Texas plate on it. <laughs> yeah. And the owner, granted, he had a, a $5.99. A F- 12. Ferrari, he had whatever. some money anyway. But but he actually had planned in advance because he didn't drive the car all the time anyway, and he thought, this is the car I want to drive on the ring and on the Autobahn. So it still had Texas plates. He shipped it. I have no idea what it cost. He shipped it from Houston to Europe, drove it through Europe, drove it on the ring, with Texas plates and mm-hmm. then shipped it back.
1: Mm-hmm. You could you could
0: get nuts. I don't know what that costs, but wow, that's I mean, interesting.
1: you know, now you're loving your car in an entirely different environment Agreed. for where you're it's making normally with it. yeah. used for. Yeah. So you, you've got some goals and you come up with a, mm-hmm. a big road trip or a big plan for that. And I want to give an example, and that is from the 2018 Monterey weekend, hopefully okay. everybody okay. listening saw Greg Witten, who was Microsoft employee number 11 and a noted car collector, mm-hmm. sell his 1962 Ferrari GTO for a grand total of $48.4 million <sighs> after the Briar's premium was added on, so it was about wow. $44 million. It went at auction. He had bought this car in 2000, mm-hmm. sold it in 2018. So he had it for almost 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, from what I understand, he did everything with it. He's tracked it. He's mm. shown it at mm. events. He's done all kinds of road trips in it. He's shown it off on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he came to the place where he said, you know what? I'm done. I guess mm, I'm done. Mm. So my point is, this happens even at the very top levels. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You'd
1: think him having that car, he would put it in a trust or in his estate plan and will it to children or grandchildren, mm, or maybe. it yeah. would never leave the family once you have a car like that, because mm. those indeed are the cars that go up in value. Yeah. Many cars don't. Yeah, true. But those are pretty much at the top end. And here's a guy that... Just said, you know what? I I love it, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. I think we're good. And, of course, he walked away with a lot of money, but he already had a lot of money, yeah, so exactly. who cares? Yeah, That wasn't the big thing That way. wasn't the yeah. point. So yeah. even at the very top, interesting. Yeah. he's yeah, yeah. getting rid of this thing that all of us would think, why would you ever sell mm-hmm. that car? Mm-hmm. Once you've acquired a thing like that, mm-hmm. you have it. Yeah, interesting. I see that. And he didn't need the money, so then what's the drive yeah. behind letting it go? He's... He's enjoyed it. And I, and I applaud on. him
0: for not letting it just be mothballed somewhere. Yeah. He drove it. He enjoyed yeah. it. He said it's time to move on. I think that's interesting. Uh, to, to this question here, David, I, I have a couple things, and I, I'm backing up Paul big time by just saying drive it and do life experiences mm-hmm. in it. And that may be the road trip. It may be tracking. It may be whatever. But, but I would also say find the things about the car that you like the most. I most like back roads in this car. Mm. I most sure. like tracking, whatever. Sure. And make the effort to go do that in the car. Do those things.
1: Yeah, the other thing, that, make the effort is a key, absolutely, absolutely. because part what can happen that.
0: very easily. And I'm going to relate this whole thing to relationships here. So hang on, it's going to get nuts.
1: But what can <laughs> it's happen a little bit here? Of psychology, a little bit of relationship advice. It's, it's
0: crazy. Brace yourself. What can happen here is that that car, you, when you first bought it, you were making a lot of time for it. I'm going to put it into sure. a marriage thing. You were dating it; it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you were right. making right. time for dates. You were making <laughs> time to take the car out and drive the the way that's You're supposed to be driven. About and every... now, yeah. Well, I have to go to work in the morning, so I drive it to work. I drive it home, and I drive it in stop and go, and it's not really very much fun anymore. And I don't like this car, but you loved it on a back road. Sure. So sure. make that yeah. effort to drive it in the ways that you like it the most. I'm going to also say this, and I've joked about it before, and I'm going to stay with the joke.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: We highly recommend you change cars, not relationships. Yes. Both are costly yes. emotionally and financially to change, but the car is less so. That's <laughs> good. So one say, more than the other. Yeah, yeah. So I say uh, stay with your partner and change cars. That's <laughs> what I say because cars like people. It, it's weird how we anthropomorphize them. That's the wrong way to say that word. But you know what I mean? We give them human traits and they aren't, they're a thing. Sure. Okay, yeah. we do that. Sure. All right. But. It is that that new shiny object, very literally, just like when you date that new person and they're amazing and they're awesome and this person's fantastic and wonderful and be married to him for ten years and you'll have some things you don't like. <laughs> I'm just saying okay. that will happen. All right, be okay. married to him a year, you'll be like, oh my gosh, that exists. <laughs> I didn't know you did that, but but. You make the effort. My wife and I make a consistent effort to go out on dates, and we still get bogged down in the life and the parenting and the whatever. Yeah, sure. Okay? But this this happens to cars, too. It's the greatest thing ever. I have nothing I don't like about it. Talk to you in six months, and you will have a list of things you don't like. (laughs) <laughs> I don't care what the car is. Yeah, okay? I can do that with my Lotus or the Lancer or Money my enough. wife's Cayenne. doesn't matter. Yeah, your yeah. GTS, I've I driven can. enough that I can give you a list of pros Absolutely. and cons. Absolutely. Watch our Cayman piece. You can give a list of pros and cons on your I can now give a cam list cams. of
1: cons to that car, surprising everybody. Yeah, yeah. Surprising yeah. me, actually. So
0: so the the point I'm making here is no car is perfect, and when you own it, you really find that out. But drive a car and have good life experiences with it. When you get to the end
1: of, I think I've done all I'd like to do with this car, it's also okay to move on. Mm-hmm. All right, David, I'm going to leave you with one last thought here, and that is let other people drive your car. Yeah. The people who have never driven your car or your kind of car observe their reactions and then you might experience some jealousy of how much fun they're having and you're going to want it back. Mm-hmm. How to fall in love. It, it might take a little bit of jealousy on your part to realize <laughs> what a cool car you do have. And it's actually in your garage <laughs> now. I don't want to see my car with them. <laughs> exactly. That relates right back to relationships exactly right there. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe just that's what we want to do with all of you is that is our whole mindset when we're on camera mm-hmm. talking about a car. Cool. Is yeah, yeah. yeah somebody else is letting us drive their car mm-hmm. that might be a private owner that might be a car company totally yes and we're yes, sharing yes. that and we're trying to exude all those traits mm-hmm. on camera so it's inform and entertain and we go back and forth of course with yeah. snarky yeah but yes you know over here yes. to some factual information and then back to some snarky comments yes and you know, we're, we're just we're relating that entire experience with that headspace. And there is I like the I like the sharing concept because
0: you're right. There is an interesting thing that happens when you share your car, how you see it
1: anew again. Go ride with the person and observe mm-hmm. how much fun like, you know, what is something they notice? And you think, well, that's never really mattered to me. Why? Why are you having so much fun with that aspect of the car? Mm, huh. Interesting. OK. Never saw that coming. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I want it back
0: now. Well, and for I want to drive it again. It's one of the reasons we try to share our cars as much as we can too, because it happens with us as well. It's yeah. like I, yeah. I love the fact that you know I can clamber in and out of an Elise, and right about the time that gets annoying, I let somebody else get in it, and then I'm like, ah, it's pretty cool to do that, isn't it? It's kind <laughs> exactly. of fun, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly right. Well, thank you so much for your Topic Tuesday. If you've got your own Topic Tuesday, you know where to write. If you don't, everydaydrivertvgmail.com or on the website, same place you send your debates. Mm-hmm. Write to us with Topic Tuesdays. And, of course, it's the endless, it could change next week sort of debate. But these are it's kind of fun. These are shoot from the hip opinion things always anyway, for sure. Totally. Guys, we're going to take a break. And then we'll be back.
0: We've all got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. I've got an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance to that list. And the good
1: thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, yes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance.
0: Having extra money in your pocket might be the most rewarding thing you do today. We're back with a car debate, this one for Rudy, who is kind of curating his dream garage, that garage you have yeah, when you're growing yeah. up and you can't afford cars yet, and now he's almost there. But mm-hmm. the question here, I feel like there's two major headlines that come out of this discussion for Rudy, and that is, one, preciousness and okay. cars that don't get driven.
1: I mean, I think it ties in with our previous it does, discussion for sure. that it absolutely we just finished does, for sure. up with the topic Tuesday about how to love it. Well, so here's the story is that he has had a 96 Porsche 993 for 10 years. Very cool. That car's
0: only gone up in value in the <laughs> 10 years you've owned it. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: guess that is another one of those um, in that category. He's also got a pristine 73 240Z car. Mm-hmm. He said this. these are two out of the three cars he's always wanted. Yeah. Well done on checking two of the three boxes. Yes,
0: for sure. For sure.
1: What I love about the car industry, though, is there will always be new cars invented that we will now want. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely. That's the idea, at least. Ideally, yes. Hopefully, that's the case. All right. So he's in an enthusiast quandary. He doesn't drive the Z car as much as he thought. Mm -hmm. He enjoys... Owning it more than driving it. Mm-hmm. Mostly he can't eliminate the cabin exhaust fumes and his wife is totally over it. <laughs> we had can't gasoline and life. exhaust
0: fumes in the 240 we drove. If you yeah, watched that did. one. It was just like, hmm, that's gasoline. All right. Uh, I'm okay. headed. Huh? <laughs> Maybe well, wait, I should pull, pull the window down. No wonder I'm enjoying this so much. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> I could see color. I, I could hear I could hear color. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. All right. So he's hoping someday he will see it rise in value, and he wants to keep it until that time. So you're starting to see a thread here. He's got Mm -hmm. the 993. That's gone up in value. He's wishing the Z car would rise in value, but it's not there yet, especially because of the exhaust fumes. That is an issue, yes. If you have exhaust fumes in your 62 Ferrari GTO, everybody's over it. (laughs) In a Z car, it's a thing. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So he rebuilt the motor. He said he takes great pride that it just starts, it runs, it's beautiful, and it's collectible. You're right it's about very that. Cool. It is very cool, yes. He said, I'm keeping the 993 until they cannot care for it anymore, until they've driven it and love this jewel for as long as they can. And his wife always wants to take it to the weekend dinner drives to the lake. Yeah. He said it's mildly and perfectly modified. No details there, but he says it's dialed in.
0: Yeah. And he made the comment, essentially, the, the the big takeaway here is the fact that if he's going to drive the 240, his wife's not going to come. If he's mm-hmm. going to get the 993 911, she's coming.
1: Absolutely. Wherever they're
0: going, the 993 is going out, she's going to come along, which is a huge divergent reality here. But then here is the other problem. <laughs> Car number three on his Cars I've Always Wanted to Own list is the first gen. That is the E30. So this is 8788 BMW M3. Yeah. He has a friend. Who is selling one? 110,000 miles, but it is uh, it is original paint, excellent black leather interior, well cared for, even though high miles. Granted, that car's old enough, 100,000 miles. It's hard to clock up on that car in the amount of time it's been around. Yeah, right, right. But it's out there. He's considering, should I get this? Um, hmm. It was a one-owner car until 2015, now a friend of his owns. He kind of knows the whole pedigree history of this car, and it is the, it's the trifecta. It's the third car of his wish-I-could-own-this list, but this creates all of the questions. 993 staying, 911 is mm-hmm, fine. Mm-hmm. Does the 240Z stay? Do I get the M3? What do I do is the question. I'm curious
1: to know what other cars Rudy and his wife own here that are the unmentioned agreed The cars that
0: clearly are the let's go get groceries cars are not on
1: this list. Yeah, which is totally fine. But, Rudy, I wanted to put this entire email in a headspace for everybody listening that is... Y- your cars are examples. These cars could be whatever else, interchangeable Completely. for everybody Completely. else. What are the three cars you've always wanted to have? Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what I love about your email, is you know we're actually dealing with the 993, and hopefully you've seen, well, you said you've seen the, the two films, but we mm-hmm. actually reviewed the 87 911 3.2 career right up yes. against the E30 M3.
0: Yes, we did, for sure. That was a TV episode. That was
1: episode two of season uh, two. You might be shocked at my reaction at the end, just saying. Yeah,
0: there is that as well, yeah.
1: Kind of giving it away. But I'm my point here is that your your three cars can be, you know, how how are we looking at cars mm-hmm. in our lives? Mm-hmm. And again, I, I'm coming back to this through line of you wanting the cars to rise in value. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be preventing you from driving it. Because your questions here are, first of all, do I sell or keep the two forty? Yeah. Yeah. Loves it. But then the second thought here from Rudy is do I wait for a lower mileage M three? And then spend that extra money, whatever that'll cost, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or buy this really nice one now. And then he says, watch the value decline after another 20,000 miles, which tells me it's going to suffer the same fate as the 240. It's going to sit in the garage and never be driven by you.
0: Agreed. Yeah, that's my concern as well.
1: All right. So the last part of the email is saying he fears turning these great cars into old drivers. But that's kind of their purpose. That is their purpose. They exist to be driven.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, everybody feels differently about it. But I, I obviously, we are not. <clears throat> we have said it many times because it's true in our own lives. We are not financial advisors. <laughs> uh, we would financially advise you to drive your car. Exactly. Anyone that says you want to keep it as a value, you'd says, "Please, oh, why would you don't drive that. that?" We we just saw. What was the the final price? Was it two hundred grand? That oh, yes, uh, the GNX, the GNX just yeah. sold an eight mile, still wrapped in plastic seats or seats still wrapped in plastic, uh, <laughs> Buick GNX it's all
1: interchangeable. Yes, for what was it? Two hundred grand, two hundred grand on bring but, a trailer. But what that means? That oh, car yeah. will never be driven. Which
0: yeah, honestly, uh, that's just speculators buying a car hoping they can turn it around in a couple of years for two fifty or three hundred. I find that story tragic. Yeah. I truly do.
1: Yeah, I agree. And,
0: and Rudy, the I thing agree. is you have this 993, and the thing I like about it the most is the fact that it's a driver. You drive this car. What's wrong with having a car that you drive and it becomes high miles? I actually think if you want this M3, and I want to, I don't know that you should get it, actually, but but I want to follow this through line for a minute. I think if you want an M3, this is the perfect one. Because, I kind of do, too. Because, honestly, at over 100,000 miles – It's already not a car that's going up in value. I'm sorry, but the M3s that are worth money have got, like, 50,000 miles or less. Right, right. Okay? You've got over 100,000 miles already. You put 20,000 miles on that car. I don't think it's going to lose much value from where it is right now. Mm Mm-hmm. It's already not one that's going to go up. If you, here's a, Let me put it another way. If you bought that 111,000-mile M3 and you put it in mothballs and never drove it again, there will always be an M3 with less miles It's worth far more than yours. Yep, absolutely. So why, if, you, if you want one, buy it and drive it. I think there's no reason to not drive that car. Give it a life that is doing what it's supposed to do. My bigger question for you, though, is I think if you're saying, huh, the 240 ought to be driven, maybe I should get rid of it, I think that might be the answer there, but then I ask the question, doesn't that M three just fill that garage spot spot
1: and not get driven as well? It could be. I mean maybe it's you know I'm glad they drive the nine nine three. Completely. You're gonna have to be very deliberate about driving this mm-hmm. M3 when you get it, because it does sound like you're leaning that way. I say if it's not driven, why do you have it? I agree with that. I agree with that. Now, again, back to the Ferrari DTO and and the wealthy collectors who have big garages sure, full sure, of sure. cars. Yeah, yeah. They're all on battery tenders and they're not being driven. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's hard when you get a lot of cars. It's actually hard to go around mixed in with daily life. Totally, to yeah. just exercise all your babies there. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, yeah. it's hard. I. That's why they need all of us to help yeah. them out. They
0: they need they need lots yeah. of friends who'd like to drive. Yeah, that's be very true. Yeah. Yes,
1: but if uh, if you've you know generally got you know a few cars and a one or two of them don't get driven memorialize that thing in a way that's special to you whether that's Mm, a painting mm. or a drawing or a photograph of you and your wife on the best trip ever with that car Mm, I like that and go let somebody else have it let somebody else have a go. I agree. Totally agree. And say I had my time. That's what Greg Witten did with his 62 Ferrari GTO. Crazy to say, but yeah, you're right. And he did you're it right. again. It's at a top level. But my point is, it doesn't matter what kind of money we're talking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody mm-hmm. does this.
0: Yeah. Let's hope. I I actually fear that the guy that bought that Ferrari will never drive it. But I like the fact I do too. that he did. But the, the biggest thing I come away with is the imp. The pardon me. The 993. The 911 is the car you guys drive for fun. Why? And I'm asking this genuinely. Right. Why would you drive the alternate car, Rudy? Why would you and your wife take the, fill in the blank, the 240, the M3, the, I don't care. And that's what I'm saying.
1: Any car for anybody listening. Yes. What what are your cars? What are your, you know, unicorn cars mm-hmm. that you've always aspired to? I,
0: I, I feel like from a, now, we talk about life experience a lot on this show. Since the 9.3 is not going anywhere, mm-hmm. you've wanted to own these three cars, the 240Z, that 993, 911, and M3. You've had life experience with the 240. So I do say let that go because it's not being driven. Why not get this M3 because it is a car that's been driven and is a driver and plan to have it for a year? Hmm just I want to have the life experience of owning and driving this car we know the 993 is just staying maybe it gets driven back to 20% of its normal driving life now because you're focused on that M3 let's not long term this car it's high miles already buy it drive it enjoy it walk away. You will have now checked the boxes of buying, owning, and driving the three cars that are your icon cars in your life. That is a great list. Who gets to say that? That's a success story. Absolutely. So why not sell the 240 because you've had that experience, buy the M3, enjoy it, and put a time limit on it. That doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Of course you can change your mind. But just for the next year, I want to drive this M3 a lot and just see what I think when a year is up.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Because I bet a year from now, even if you put 10,000 miles in that car, you're probably going to get out, out of it from similar to what you got into it. Because, again, you've got 111,000 miles on it already. It's not like it's going to go from 10,000 miles to 20,000. Yeah. It's going to go from 111 <laughs> yeah. to, oh, 120. Exactly. That if you drive a it a ton. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think you're going to drive it that much. That's my thinking is let's get this life experience since it is one of your top three,
1: and then let's give it a time limit of I've done it. That's cool. I mean, the greatest thing that I can leave you with the thought is, if truly this is the car you keep for long term, we already did it with the Z. You rebuilt it, mm, you made it, and sure, refreshed it, sure, and you yeah. made it new again, and you made it so you could drive it. I think the M3 will quite have the exhaust problems the Z does, but you know, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that. You know, I love the fact that people restore cars, even at a it's not perfect pebbled Monterey of Concours condition. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just restore them. To a point where they're just fun to drive again, and they work. Everything works, and it's clean. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Cars Mm -hmm. just stick around. You can theoretically just keep them running. Look, because we've driven it,
0: because it's close to the show, look at Chance's Mustang. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is it pristine? No. Does it need work? Absolutely. Is it fun to drive? Definitely. Absolutely it is. And when the weather is right, he used to drive it all all year round, but when the weather is right, he pulls that car out. What I love is when you and I are in the middle of nowhere, it's happened a few times, we're in the middle (laughs) of nowhere on a shoot and we know Chance is meeting us. He knows exactly where to meet us. He's not there yet. We're there with the press car and Uh, uh, and and the support vehicle. And around the corner, out of the trees, comes Chance. Couple hundred miles from home in that Mustang, and I always kind of cheer. <laughs> yeah. It's just cool because he's driven that up some windy back
1: road and just said, That car's going today. I yeah. love that. That's so fun. It's, uh, I mean, we all don't know how much time we have left. Go enjoy your car. Oh, completely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Rudy, thanks for dr- writing to us. Thanks for driving, right? Thanks yes, for, for sure. Driving your cars, absolutely. Too. Have, driving that nine nine three. We have so many audience
0: questions. I've posted a bunch, uh, listed a bunch here that I really like. Uh, they are all over the map. I want to touch on one that's kind of business, real quick, and that is Matthew on Facebook is asking about our promo codes. He feels like he's oh, using an old one. Every day is the code right now. For GRIOS and for Covercraft, it's 10% off both places. Correct. We're yes. going to try. I can't guarantee this will always be the case because sometimes the codes are established before we get everything locked in like we like. But we're going to try going forward that if we have a sponsor, the code for them is every day. We're going to try and make so it consistent. So that you guys yeah. don't have to remember which, wait, hang on, which sponsor am I at? And what are the, I, I just want it to be simpler. <laughs> right. So we're going to try for it right. to be every day. But right now, with our two big presenting sponsors, GRIOS and Covercraft both, that code every day gets you that 10% off. So that's the one I highly advise. It's a question
1: from Mystic Negro, a friend George on Instagram, who asked, what is the most perfectly designed ugly car? Please tackle this. It took me a while. Okay. And I am thrilled to say I have the answer. Mm. I have the answer. I am waiting. I, I cannot wait to share this. So the question is, this can be a car where all the design elements clearly clash with each other. Okay. Or... A car that follows all the rules, but the whole is less than the sum of its parts.
0: Love it. Love
1: it. This is so tasty. <laughs> I can't it even took take this on. I can't. I, I, I was wrestling with this all morning. All right. And I have it. Okay. It is the Rolls-Royce Cullinan.
0: They did check all the boxes of what it's supposed to be. You're right. It's supposed to be
1: this luxury. It's in this yeah. SUV market. By the way, I've just read stories about how they cannot make them fast enough. Prediction you know, confirmed. Yes, for sure. But it then, looks like a Rolls. Yes. It, it checks has all the boxes, design elements. Yeah. Okay. But dang, is it ugly? <laughs> but then how about all the, the car that follows all the rules? It follows all the Rolls Royce luxury rules, mm-hmm. but the whole is less than some of its parts. I'll just take the carpeting out of it. Please, if you please, I'll just take the engine, <laughs> leave the rest behind. <laughs> I don't want to look at this ugly rhinoceros thing. Yeah. It checks all the SUV boxes. I'm sure it's perfectly capable off road, yeah. It's perfectly quiet, luxurious, fast, name the thing, mm-hmm. the Rolls Cullinan does it. Mm-hmm. But yuck. Well, you know, you bring it up and it, it makes me just think of
0: this. Thank you for for putting kind of my headspace in the right place now because it does dawn on me. And I don't think it's as, it's as bad, but it does dawn on me. I think the first gen, Panamera, was a victim of this problem. Because they were trying to yeah. make a four door nine eleven, that was clearly the premise. That Give was the a nine eleven yes. shape in four doors, and you and I saw the one. I've, it's I've, I've got a nine designation, some kind. You may remember what it is, but we saw the actual four door nine eleven. Uh, At the Peterson Museum. I think it was the 989. Something like that, yes. So anyway, we actually saw that one where they actually took it and stretched it, which is even crazier. But you can see all of the design elements of Porsche at that time frame are done. All of the attempts to make it a
1: four-door 911 are done. And yet you kind of step back and go, that's not really working like it should. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they very much... Aired, if you could say it's an error on the part of function, and if you're going to err, yeah, sure, you want sure, to err sure. on the side of function because yes. you can genuinely. You and I can sit in the back seats comfortably. Completely, yeah. The yeah, second yeah. generation, you still can, but the styling actually caught up with. Yeah, they, you know, they
0: refined it for sure, something yeah. better.
1: And I still love those early Panameras. I mean, yeah. they're excellent cars. But yeah, you could, you know, unlike compared to the Rapide, by the way, that Rapide that I've been eyeballing is now down to seventy five thousand dollars. Anyway, wow, um, <clears throat> cheap Rapides. <laughs> cheap for peds. I mean, cheap I like is a relative that. term no, because c- we're talking comparatively. Aston. Comparatively, you're right, absolutely. But still. That was a very expensive car when it was new. The Aston is gorgeous. You and I do not fit in the back seat. No, no we can't even
0: pretend to. And, and there's even less <laughs> luggage space. And the, and the Panamera solved that. That's an interesting trade-off. I like that. Ian wrote in and he's asking a question about, okay, it's kind of a build or buy question. Mm. He's saying, can I take my dad's 2002 Lexus IS300 Sports cross oh, this I is saw the this unicorn yes, yes, yes this is the cool two j z straight six manual transmission wagon version of the early Lexus uh, <laughs> that is by the way Ian kind side of note, rare that is really cool now here's my separate question for you, Ian, can you just make that your car <laughs> forget the build for a oh, second? Oh. why not just make that your car? that's a cool car, man, but his question is should I take that and actually build it out for track days? Chassis alterations, weight reduction, mm-hmm. the works, wheels, tires, things change to the 2JZ. Go nuts trying to make it a track car. Or should I just buy an early 86 chassis, BRZ or FRS, and make that? He, he, that'll actually adhere to a, a SCC Autocross class.
1: Okay. And actually okay. run
0: in class and have a newer, more modern car. Ian, two thoughts here, and they might be divergent, but follow me. Uh, First off, I do think that's just a cool car. Can you just make that your car? If you take it and make it an autocross track car you're kind of a man without a country. And I say this as a guy that drives a Lotus Elise and shows up and there's no other Lotus Elises around. There's 15 Caymans battling it out right now. (laughs) I'm catching them all in the corners, and they're walking me in the straight. (laughs) And this is happening every single lap, okay? (laughs) I'm a man without a country, but I'm having a blast. You're a man without a country in a car that honestly isn't intended to be an autocross or track monster to begin with. I kind of wonder... If the bigger question is build or buy here, but I kind of wonder if the 86 chassis makes more sense because you can find them cheap. If you wreck one, meaning you take a bunch of stuff out of it and don't like it anymore, mm-hmm. you can find those parts again easily. Sure, sure. You can buy one cheap, sell it cheap. There's tons of support parts for it. It's a newer car to begin with. It's not as unique. I want, and you wind up in a class where you can just go and compete with sure. other cars very easily. You just plug yourself in. I think that might be the easier choice. The counterpoint to my, my statement here, though, is do you want something to wrench on? Because if you're looking for something to tweak and make your own, I think that sports cross is cool because you are one of one.
1: Hmm. Okay. I mean, if you take the back glass out of that to lighten it up, though, now you've got a lemons car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, eventually I mean, everything's a lemons car. I'm lighter. That is the shirt.
1: <laughs> that should be their shirt, That's by true. the way. Eventually they're all lemons cars. That's great. I like that a lot. Okay. So Driver Mod asks the question, time to bear some soul. If we had the finances today to buy the replacements for the Elise and the Cayman GTS, but we had to do it today or lose our chance, Hmm. what are the replacements? Are we talking money, no object here? Well, he doesn't specify. Driver Mod does not specify. And he just says, if we had the finances. So I'm going with the car that's currently sticking in my craw, which is Uh a McLaren 570S.
0: I'd like to have one of those, two. I really
1: would. Uh, but I would do Lotus for, uh, Evora 400. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's up there. But, I mean, if I got the McLaren, I would probably have to go buy a 928 or some other thing to still be able to use my Porsche key fob, really, for the, the keychain. <laughs> Terrible. I'd have to be able Terrible. To always use that, right?
0: If, if I had the finances <laughs> to buy an Evora 400 today, I would buy an Evora 400 today yeah I absolutely would
1: yeah I can see that I mean the GT3s you know the 991 GT3s are also really oh it's your fault by the way I I did
0: discover that they are far cheaper used than we ever expected (sighs) they're still 120 grand but for a car that was so much more than that new only a few years ago it is, you can't see the air quotes, cheap. So <laughs> I, it, it's actually just a surprising amount of reduction. I actually think those are going to keep dropping because they came up with the point two that has the manned transmission option. So now you could add... Of, of course,
1: I, I want that one, actually. And, of course, it, they keep
0: but, refining it as well. The yeah. point two is supposed to be better to drive than the point 0.1 because it's Porsche, and of course it is. But I actually think as a result, that 991 GT3 is going to be the <clears throat> bargain of the GT3 history. <laughs> because right now, here's Yay! the thing, right now those are the same price as the prior gen 997 GT3s.
1: Which is astounding. And they're to probably going to keep dropping.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. I, so if you got 120 grand laying around, we've we
1: found your car. Yeah, there's that. GT3bargains.com, and then there's an entire list. <laughs> Who of, has that URL? I don't know. Somebody does now. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that kind of ties into J.R. Schultz's question about, you know, which one of us are going to replace our fun car first? That's what oh, he's asking, you know, yeah. pointing the fingers back at us. We can love our cars and sell it for a new experience. So, yeah, true. So, you true, know, true. will we debate fun cars for each other? I, I say that might be coming this year, actually. Yeah, it's a possibility. I actually, th- I, look, I'm going to throw down right now. You're up, by the way. I know I'm but anyway, yeah, i But anyway, yes, we'll I'm see. I, I, my Yikes. family
0: wants me to never get rid of the Elise, but let's be honest, at some point, it will probably move on unless I inherit garage space and a bunch of money. But it, then well, it might yeah. just stay. But then it wouldn't get driven much. This is the back to the problem. Then you'd have the 240Z problem. Yes, exactly. So there, there's that. There are so many good questions. I'm going to see if I can run through a few of these. Oliver asked a great question on Facebook. He said, all right, he's looking at getting a 1990s era. That's the era that I had, the, the 300ZX. Mm. Should right. you stay with a U.S. model or import one from Japan? Get a JDM model imported. Oh, Japan. sure, sure, Oliver. This is this is entirely my take on JDM cars, but I, I, it does apply here. I think they're only cool if you can't get them here. Oh. Huh. I, I think the JDM cars are fascinating because they were, they're were they unicorns you could never buy here. If you buy one from Japan, yes, it might be really clean. But now you've added all of the hassle of importing and having a right-hand drive car in a country where all the cars are – I mean the world is designed for a left-hand drive car and you could have bought a left-hand drive one right here mm, this week. Sure, sure. Gone yeah. and looked at it before they put it on a boat. I just that's my big thing. If you're going to buy a car that was actually
1: available in the US, just buy a US model and simplify your life. Hmm, interesting. The question over here from K Wolf 73 on Instagram, writing from Denmark. Huge fan from Denmark. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it for all of you guys from Denmark listening. This is great. He's Talking to us about our comments on European cars and I want to issue this clarification here because you've said that we comment that European cars are less reliable and I want to make this clarification and that is we don't see them as less reliable we see them as a little bit more maintenance intensive more expensive when maintenance is due certainly but less reliable. Not so much. The only company that we have discussed about this European company is Volkswagen. Yes. And the perception of in Germany from friends when Mm -hmm. I've been there is that Volkswagens are bomb proof and they just run. And we've had this discussion. We cannot verify this at this point, but the maintenance available in Germany for Volkswagens in general is better quality Mm -hmm. than what we can get in the States. Yeah. It's a good good point. I have no way of verifying this or Mm -hmm. quantifying this in any way, but The maintenance there, yeah, it just seems like Volkswagens are amazing there. How come they're not amazing Mm, in the U.S.? mm. Because the joke here is 60,000 miles, it's a dirty wash rag, you better get rid of it before blank happens. Mm -hmm. And even though that's not true, because there's plenty of cars with hundreds of thousands of miles on them. Yeah, But in Germany, they just seem to be amazing. Yeah. So I I just want to... We have not said they're not reliable. It's more along the lines of we just... You know, they might take a little bit more maintenance than you know, a small-block Chevy or something like well, that.
0: And I also think there's a there's a cultural thing here. Uh, I, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Look, I'm fully into just anecdotal and people that I've met and stories of that kind. Yeah, but, yeah. but the impression that I get – and look, this is how I grew up. It's how a lot of uh, people I knew grew up. You only put money in your car when something broke. It's a bit of an sure. American trend. Sure. Okay? I would I guess I guess the Europeans are better about recommended maintenance I I think a lot of times we we make that joke I make that joke about a lot of times a Honda will run in spite of you and not because of you right oh I'm supposed to change the oil I've had that conversation with people Uh oh I'm supposed to change the oil it's like how long have you had that car (laughs) <laughs> well, but I figured it'd just tell me if it needs something. No, no,
1: I'm telling you right now. It needs something. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. The, the
0: owner's manual tells you it needs it needed something 10,000. What are you doing? The manuals I, exist in the glove box I, for I, a reason. I feel like that happens more here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I lived in Europe, they're they all that way too. But I feel like the problem with German cars, that's not even fair. The problem with European cars that have strict maintenance schedules, okay, where they aren't happy if you don't do them. They're thoroughbreds a lot of times get owned by people who've only ever had a car that they ignored. They put gas in it, and that was it. Could be. And now suddenly it's like, what do you mean
1: this car needs stuff? Here's a concrete example, and that is the service advisor or mechanic comes back to you and says, all right, the thing you brought the car in for today, we're doing that. Here's how much it costs. We also found these other three things that you should think about having done. And I think maybe culturally Americans look at that as – I don't want to spend the extra money right now and I think you're just trying to shaft me yeah no yeah. we're actually trying to take care of your car for you yeah. and so you decline at that point just say no just do the thing I brought the car in for whatever that is yeah, yeah and then I'll let the other things go when I get to it when I have money now, having the money to do that is a real issue. It's a, it's a totally I'm not issue. saying you Absolutely. should just throw down and yeah. you know, run up the credit card bill to do it. Yeah. But maybe consider more of a balance depending on the car that you own. And if the mechanic and service advisor came back and said, you really should think about doing X, Y, and Z because it should be done kind of now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're in a better place to say, oh, okay, all right, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, And I, I see that as future preventative big bills.
0: Well, and I've said this before. I think that, that European cars are thoroughbreds, and American cars and Japanese cars often are plow horses. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is your plow horse is just – it just works. It gets stuff done. This is a marginal metaphor because I am no farmer or horse farmer, but follow <laughs> me. Follow me. It, it just – it does all the heavy-duty, unfun work. The thoroughbred is far faster, more beautiful, and better to, to ride, but it's finicky, and it needs stuff more oh. often. So if you treat the thoroughbred like a plow horse, it's not going to be happy. It might, I don't know. Stay with the metaphor. It's going to buck you off. I'm just saying. Do they eat different oats? I don't know. What's the food like? There's probably we- some, like, I don't know, gluten-free oats. How
1: do you do that, by the way? <laughs> Is that just a bag of air? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, Kelvin C. on Facebook asks us, why are manufacturers obsessed with using plastics? Just the other day, he had to take his car into the dealer because somehow he cracked the plastic oil pan. infatuation with plastic turbos, plastic pistons. Well, there's no plastic pistons, but engine block. But I I take his point. He's wondering how far this goes. How far do we go with this? And it it comes down to car companies are in business to make money. Mm -hmm. And despite the uh, whining, groaning, moaning of all the designers, car enthusiasts, and engineers who want to make the car a certain way, the marketing, legal, and business teams with yeah, yeah, the product yeah. planners and the CEOs who report to Wall Street come back and say, we've got to save money. Cut where you can. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so with manufacturing techniques sometimes being tried in new ways, mm-hmm. coming alongside we've got to make money, that's where things can be good or they go wrong. Yeah. And many car companies run into this. They tried a new technique or a new material on this common part. And they shouldn't have yeah. because later on they're paying dearly yep, for it. they're recalling they, it and replacing them all. Yep, yep they, they thought sure, they would sure. save yep. money up front, and they did. But now they're paying even more money on the back end, mm-hmm. which was a big mistake. Convincing business people who aren't car people, this is, I think, the constant struggle within car companies. True, but the other thing
0: that happens is volume and scale. What, what happens when we start talking about it parts, is. you and I have discussed this a little bit before, is somebody will bring up the point of, you're right, we can make that part, This other way, the better way than than the cheaper way, but it's going to be $0.05 more per part. And you think, $0.05 more per part? That doesn't matter. But we're going to make $20 of these. Yes. Now now that becomes a major line item, so somebody's going to try to cut, cut the budget there by making the part the cheaper way. I'm not saying necessarily plastic. I'm just saying, in general, this is the discussion that happens that either drives car prices down or up because they're trying to offset this thing they did.
1: I mean, how many other industries or products in general have the same obsessive thing that we as car enthusiasts have for cars? Mm, interesting. Versus the thing that they are, toasters, toilets, (laughs) furniture to a degree. Welcome back to the Refrigerator Podcast. (laughs) Honestly. Today on the cast, the see-through fridge that tells you if you've got milk. Exactly. What other products do we care as deeply about and have such a Mm. visceral, emotional, voyeuristic connection to as cars? Okay. That's a good question. That's a good question. Name me stuff. Yeah. I mean, there
0: are obsessive groups about just about everything, but I think percentage-wise, you're onto something there. There. That's So that's fascinating. Yeah.
1: therefore, if the, the company and those people who are making those decisions don't share those emotional attachments, and maybe mm. they're paid to not because, again, yeah. the yeah. car company has to make money because yeah. we're providing people's jobs. Yeah. So that balance and then when decisions are made and it's not a good one we all feel the plastic oil pan cracking. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh,
0: see you in hell on Instagram. By the way, that's S-E-A, see you in hell. It's very good. I like that. Ask a question about uh, the new Supra.
1: Oh, yes. And I he said...
0: He, he feels like this is obvious. The Supra is way overpriced because at $60,000 for a Supra, why is a Supra $60,000? You could buy a really nice C7 Corvette, almost a Grand Sport for that money. Doesn't this make the Supra irrelevant? Mm. Interesting question on the surface, but I dug into this to see if I was right. Okay, This is fascinating if you think about this. Actually, it's priced exactly right based on its history.
1: Oh. Okay. Two things. First okay. off, the
0: Vet is about to leave this market and go upmarket with the mid-engine. True. That's a side note, but take that side note out for a second. Okay. I looked up nineteen ninety six MSRPs for the Nissan three hundred Z X, the Supra, and the and the VET. Did you do some in math 1996? No, I just read numbers. Okay, I, that's much different than math.
1: You you didn't do the, the cost equivalents or the no or the, no no uh, no, no. The I did inflation I, didn't. Adjustment I, char- for I charted nothing. I just okay. looked at it's All
0: 1996. Right. You go in. That's the last year the Supra was made. It's the last year the 300ZX was made. The Vet was being made. Go in and buy a Vet. What's it cost you? Forty five grand. What's the Supra? Between about thirty eight and forty eight, depending upon how you spec it. Okay. What was the 300ZX? Between about 38 and 44. They're all lying on top of each other. That's the history of these cars. Fantastic. We want to think Fantastic. of the Supra as a cheap car, but honestly, the reason that the Supra in the 90s, the reason the Supra, the 300ZX, and the RX-7 left the market is because they had become so expensive that the people that wanted to buy them were ready to spend 30 grand, and they were 40
1: interesting so interesting I while I while
0: I wish I truly wish that this current super were 40 45 I wish it was this is my bad inflation discussion 60 is the new <laughs> uh, 60 is the new 30 seriously the cars you think wow. of that should be 30 grand are all running 50 60 now the m2 the the, yeah. the vet the Supra I mean and a, you're a loaded right, the vet's out it's
1: about to go bye bye
0: a loaded out 370z convertible with all the options inexplicably is like 50 grand shouldn't be but is we found them for 10 so there's <laughs> that as well yeah so so this is the thing I, while i agree with you is should you get a c7 over a supra having driven not driven the supra i have no idea but but they are right on top of each other but i think historically they should be and the vet is about to leave fascinating
1: well done well researched every now and then well I get close then. to numbers every now and then. I mean, honestly, to your point about driving it, it does come down to weight and balance and how the car feels on its tires. Totally, totally. That will be the difference and that no will idea. be the justification in your mind whether yeah. to spend the money yeah, yeah. or not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll get there. There's a question over here from Ian F on Facebook. Who says so many of us look to media metrics to help us form opinions about vehicles? Yeah. Not all are great zero to 60 times, but, you know, what reviews, ratings, and scores do we follow? Why and why not? How would we fix this? Hmm. We've talked about this since the inception of the show, and those yeah, are yeah, yeah. especially the zero to 60 numbers. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about driving in city traffic or just a city block and you've got nobody ahead of you. Your light turns green and then one block away is turning yellow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Zero to sixty is not going to time it? the lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Zero to sixty is irrelevant, mm. and we've talked about fifty to seventy and thirty to ninety. Mm. And how about out braking? Does anybody actually do the test where two giant semi trucks are forming and they're closing in, and you're trapped in the middle? And you've you have to extreme brake, make a decision. <laughs> can I out accelerate to, to the gap of daylight, or can, do I can I break and? Yeah. Nobody's going to take that on. That's real world, though. <laughs> that's, that matters to that's the test. Us. <laughs> it's the squeeze
0: test. <laughs> it kind of is. Today on Everyday Driver, we're doing the squeeze test it's with the, the Jean-Claude Elise.
1: Van Damme test in reverse. You know, you it's like, I like it.
0: That's terrifying, I but mean, yes.
1: Who's doing this kind of thing? So that's what <laughs>
0: the about. Van Dobb test. It I is. like it. That's that's what it will henceforth be known. The Van Dobb <laughs> test.
1: I mean, like it. That matters in real world driving. That matters to us, and that's what we want to translate to everybody. When driving blank car. Yeah. Is, do I feel like I'm able to maneuver and am I nimble in this thing? Is it, is mm-hmm. it doing mm-hmm. what the car suggests as the marketing platform? I, I'll tell you
0: one metric that I always look at before we drive a car that even if I'm not going to drive it, I'm always very curious about because I want to see how it relates because I feel like most of the time it tells me a lot before I get there, and that is weight.
1: Okay. I okay. want to know
0: what a car weighs. You get a car under 3,000 pounds, and not always, but nine times out of ten, it is pretty engaging to drive. You get a car over 4,000 pounds, and it feels pretty distant.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: There's a lot of gray area in there. This is not hard and fast, but I find weight to be a very interesting metric to make me go, huh, that's where they ended up there. That's interesting.
1: I mean, I've kind of become obsessed with steering ratios, but yes, not about that is the number as well. What it ultimately tells me, knowing, okay, I read this thing about sure, the number sure. of this turn. Yeah, yeah. What am I feeling? Mm-hmm, How does mm-hmm. that number relate to what yeah, I'm feeling yeah. for the
0: car? We talk about that a lot for sure for sure. I have two more. Uh, both of them are kind of quick. Michael Conti wrote in. He just watched Pilgrimage on Amazon Prime. It's available free on Prime now. He just watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it. He thinks we should start the hashtag Asphart, by the way. <laughs> Watch the movie. You'll know what Asphart is about. It's, we 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 are children about that Pretty the much. Whole, whole way through. But he, he made the comment that we talked about how in the movie, and, and we explained it a bit in the movie, but he wants a little bit more about it. We talk about the differences between Spa and the Ring, and we also talk about the differences between using a simulator to learn those tracks and then going to those tracks. And we both commented that you can mostly learn spa on a simulator.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and I yep. mean just
0: Forza. And I'm not talking about you went to the big iRacing and you got three screens and a movable seat. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sitting on your couch, okay, which is how we start the pilgrimage. When so We start from that place of sitting on the couch playing yeah. Gran Turismo. yeah, Okay? We talk about how you can mostly learn spa that way, but you can't learn the ring that way. And he asked us to elaborate on to why. And the biggest thing, Michael, is because the ring is much narrower than it, than the games give you the impression, with much less room for error. Spa's an F1 track. There's runoff. The wall's over there. It's a
1: modern track. With you, you've modern... got
0: space for things to go wrong. Yeah, the exactly. ring has none of that. And you don't exactly. get the sense of how close it is until you're there. That's part of it. But then also there is an amazing amount of elevation change and undulation in the road surface that honestly, this is why you can't run F1 cars there anymore. You're bouncing all over the place in a modern, well-suspended car that's not going fast, okay? (laughs) It is a genuinely bumpy road and the games cannot sell that to you. It's genuinely bumpy, it's very narrow, and there's a lot of elevation change up and down huge hills and stuff that the game kind of shows you but doesn't give you the feeling of, the compression at the bottom of Foxhole. On yeah, the ring right. right It's like a compression at the bottom of a roller coaster. And you're coming in there hot and you do it yeah. right. You're still on the gas through the compression and then you break up the hill. Uh, you can't feel any of that and how that works for the car and your grip levels in a
1: game. This is the problem. Yeah, for sure. All right. A question from Paxton W on Instagram Paul, what is your cheap Phaeton equivalent? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, man. I had a Jeep Cherokee, a 77 Jeep Cherokee. As my first car, so but I I wanted the Wagoneers, the old Wagoneers. <laughs> the problem is there's two companies. One is Wagon Master, and I'm forgetting the other company right now that kind of compete in bringing these old Wagoneers back to life and charging you between sixty and eighty thousand dollars for these things, which is it's absurd. Wow. Wow. it's like nine eleven prices in the past, you know, five seven years. Did. Decade, yeah, for sure, yeah. But Wagoneers, I just I love those. And the thing that I talk about a lot that I kind of need back in my life is a nine twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: think it is. By the way, speaking of Wagoneers, it made me think of wood paneling.
1: Oh, yes. There
0: is a – I'm not kidding. I've seen it around Park City, and now I I kind of blame you, Paul. Not completely, but kind of. Your neighborhood houses this car because I've seen it pull in here more than once. okay. There is a wine maroon color Subaru Outback. With oh. vinyl wood paneling on the side. Yes, I, They've I know. Done her. it in vinyl. She's she's a
1: lovely neighbor. I'm sure
0: she's wonderful to live she's, near. She's she great. has she purposely decided to do <clears throat> vinyl wood paneling on the side of her maroon, and it's also not that well done on the side of her maroon outback.
1: Yes. I kind
0: of want a photo of this. If you know her, you may have
1: to just take a discreet She's a, a lovely old lady. Photo. I'm sure I, she I is. I might. She's just feisty and spunky, and I just totally gave her a hall pass because I felt the same way about her car, and then I met her, and she was I'm, just so nice to me. It's not a judgment on her as a thought, person, except for well, her for taste for me, how her car looks. <laughs> it is for
0: me. She could be perfectly lovely. It's just <laughs> the car is like that. Somebody actually I spent. Know. I have one of the moments where somebody spent money on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is that the old person equivalent of Lambo doors? Is that what that is? <laughs> it shouldn't exist on this car, but I'm putting it on there anyway. You spent money. Is that what that is? Yeah. Anyway, it's awful.
1: She used to have a blue one with that very same color scheme, and then she upgraded to the maroon red. No, with it's the all bad. same thing. It's all
0: bad. Yeah. We need a photo.
1: All right, Matthew H on Facebook. A styling question. I couldn't resist. Last question from me. Why do Audis look so boring? <laughs>
0: Just throw a grenade into that room full of brakes. It's going to be fine. It's it's, going to turn out well.
1: Is it just me? They look like off-brand Wheaties taste with no flavor. (laughs) Audis
0: now coming in the off-brand bag. (laughs) It's the plastic bag on the bottom shelf. Get your Audi. Terrible. How delicately put of you.
1: That's lovely. Uh, Well, um, they are executing luxury cars in the same way Volkswagen executes cars for everyone. That yeah. aren't going to look crazy one year and be boring the next. They're going to introduce, over time, minimal styling themes and keep things very clean, curated, well well-buttoned-down kinds of things. That's why the bangle-era BMWs were so controversial, because BMWs have never looked so crazy with the bangle butt and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. The flame surfacing was wild. But guess who was in charge? An American was in charge at the Interesting time. Interesting point. All right. Uh, a Dutchman is actually in charge at this point. He took mm-hmm. over, Adrian yep. von Yeah. And so Audi, we come to Audi. I want you to look at Audi's... With this in mind, Matthew, and that is their mantra, it is convergence. It mm, okay. is every line is not parallel on Audis. Hmm, Heard okay. the chief designer, Mark okay. Lichten, say this. All right. Uh, actually, in person. So i I been near the design team yeah, back oh, yeah, when I was working yeah. in tech. And every line has to have a a convergence towards the other, Mm -hmm. whether it's window shut lines or door shut lines or Mm -hmm. the forward thrust of the styling for the car or the way the headlights are. No two lines are parallel. You might be able to find one or two. But But in general,
0: that's the theme. I see see what you're saying.
1: So look around the car for this very careful thought process Mm. as a designer and then tell me what you think. Interesting. I have to leave us
0: on a terrible. I mean, truly terrible. Track daily crush. Oh no! Our friend Jeff in Colorado sent in. Are you ready? You're not. You're not ready. You're not ready. None of you are ready. The Saturn SC1 coupe. Yeah. Terrible. The Nissan NX coupe. Also pretty terrible. And the Geostorm coupe. You heard Geostorm Storm. I was talking daily about crush. it last time. Yes. And I'm gonna say. <laughs> I, I actually have thought about this. I really have genuinely thought about this. Uh, it's it's just it's it's a bag full of dynamite. It's all bad. It's it, there's nothing good that comes <laughs> out of that. Exactly. I think I crushed Dino the Mite. Geostorm. You're crushing the geostorm. I'm crushing the Geostorm. Yeah. I'm gonna daily the Saturn. Oh. It, it, it was the first introduction of those RX8 rear do- doors. It's it's oh. slightly more usable. It's I mean it it redefine. You think Audis are bland? Wow. How to make a coupe and make it invisible. That's Audis what that and is. UFOs in UFOs. Totally. Comparison. So, but, but I actually had a girlfriend at one point that had one of those cars. She was so excited about it, and it was like, okay, you have a car. Uh, so <laughs> Saturn SC1 coupe, that is my daily, and then that means I'm tracking the NX coupe, not because I've actually ever tracked a Nissan NX. I have no idea how they track, but I'm, but I'm counting on this. I'm counting on this. In that era, Nissan was doing cars that were excellent dynamically. And GM okay. was not good at making small, dynamic cars, and Nissan was. So I am hoping that the Nissan of those three is the best to drive on the track. I'm just I'm hoping against hope here, honestly. I'll drive the Saturn, and I'm crushing the storm.
1: I'll crush the storm as well, but I'm going to track the Saturn with a concerted effort to crash it on the first lap so I don't have to track it anymore, and then I'll just drive the <laughs> Nissan. Okay, all right. Because it's probably there fine. There you go, Jeff. It's a boatload of fine. Yeah, I'm going to leave you with a word that none of you have heard for a long time. Tercel. And now oh you hate gosh. me. All right. I haven't heard the word Tercel forever. And it brings back a lot of memories. Crazy enough. Guys, thank you a million for writing your questions to us. We're really, really pleased that you're long for the ride with us. And uh, keep writing to us all your car debates. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.